Hey, welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. It's good to have each and every one of you here this morning. Um, if any of you uh, are here for the gaming conference, uh, you're in the right place. This is the finals. And so uh, before we get to the game, uh, I've got just a little something I'd like to read to you this morning. I do want to say welcome this morning. It's, it's great to have you all here this morning. Um, several years ago, uh, I ran across a, a quote uh, from a, a world-class renowned theologian, a guy by the name of A.W. Tozer. If you read any of A.W. Tozer's stuff, he was a deep thinker. His stuff was always profound. And one of the things he wrote uh, many years ago was, was simply this question or this statement. I'll read it for you. <laughs> he said, what comes to your mind when you think of God is the most important thing about you? What comes to mind when you think of God, about God, is the most important thing about you? So when you think about God, if you think of a God who is loving and kind and forgiving, when you go through adversity, struggle, difficulty, you're gonna trust in that God. But if you think in a God, about a God who is wrathful and vengeful, when you go through the storms of life, you're gonna respond in a different way. Or maybe you think of God as kind of uh, apathetic or ambivalent towards you. And so as you go through struggles and hardships in life, if that's your version of who God is, God doesn't have time for me, God's too busy doing all of God's stuff, then when you face struggle and hardship, you might just uh, conclude, I'm on my own. I'm on my own. So I want to ask you this morning again, what comes to your mind when you think about God and do you believe that that is the most important thing about you? This is at the heart of the book, The Story of Jonah. And if you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope you do, I want to invite you to go to the Old Testament book of Jonah. Jonah is just a, it's a short book in the Old Testament. It's just four chapters long. And last week we began a sermon series. Uh, so this week is week two. So if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you uh, to go online to the website and get caught up to speed as we talked about Jonah 1 and all the drama that was going on. By the way, if you ever miss a sermon uh, or worship on a Sunday morning, we do invite you to go to the website. Each week we have between 20 and 30 um, people who are watching the sermons online. And we put them online for you. So when you're out of town um, or can't make it to church for a snowstorm or for whatever reason, uh, it is a resource for you. And they're usually up by Tuesday morning. But we also put them online uh, so that you can invite others uh, to come check us out a little bit. Right? They say that online is the new narthex or the new lobby of the church. Before people come to a church they'll first check out the church online. And so it's a great tool for you to be able to invite other people um, to experience, to check us out before they even walk through these doors. Jonah, 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 Jonah. If you weren't here last week, let me give you a real quick recap. 
God came to Jonah. Jonah was a prophet and said, I want you to go to Nineveh, to your arch enemies and preach a sermon to tell them to stop sinning. And Jonah said, I'm not going there. And he went the other way. God said, Jonah, I want you to zig. And Jonah zagged. He went the opposite direction. He was supposed to go to Nineveh. And he went to Joppa. Jonah got on a ship, on a boat, because he wanted to keep going when he ran out of land. So he got on a boat, and when he got on the boat, he all of a sudden jeopardized all the people who were on that boat. There were lots of sailors on that boat. And the storm arose. And they quickly learned that the reason why there was a storm out on the Mediterranean Sea was because Jonah had not obeyed God. He had run away from God. And Jonah said, here's the solution. Throw me overboard. This is the only way that you can be saved. And so the sailors threw Jonah overboard. And in that moment, as his body hit the water, the, song, the, the, the water became calm and the seas became very still. And Jonah floated downward, downward, downward. And last week, we concluded our worship service with these words from Jonah 1. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Jonah did not trust God that Jonah didn't believe that God had his best intentions in mind. Jonah was answering this question. I'm not really sure that God knows what God is doing. So God told me to go this way, but I'm going to go that way. Jonah decided he was going to take matters into his own hands. But keep in mind, this is the story of the human condition, right? Remember Adam and Eve? In the garden, they didn't say to themselves, hey, let's be evil. Let's mess up our lives and everybody else's life, right? That's not in the Bible. They just simply said, you know what? There are so many good things in this world. And God said, we're not supposed to just eat this piece of fruit. But I'm not sure if God really knows what God's doing. And this is our story, right? God invites us, God commands us to obey his word and live according to his, his scripture. And we, we think to ourselves, I don't know if God's got my best interest in mind. I'm not sure if God fully understands all the pieces in my life. And this is the dilemma that we wrestle with day in and day out. And this was certainly Jonah's dilemma. Do I trust God? Is God really loving and faithful? Is he going to take care of me in the midst of hardships of life? Or do I need to trust myself? And there was Jonah as we ended last week. He's on the bottom of the ocean. And up comes a fish and swallows him for three days and three nights. So let us pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for this great story that we're going to pick up this morning, that we're going to continue to wrestle with uh, who you are in our relationship with you, God. So God, we pray that you would give us open hearts, open minds, and, and maybe even open ears with the chatter going on. Help us, God, to focus on what you would want to have to say to us today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So the first chapter of Jonah 
is about a man who's descending down, 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 down. And the second chapter of Jonah is a man who has descended. He's down in the belly of the whale. It can't get any lower. And I don't know how you came to church this morning. And if, if you're feeling like things can't get any worse in my life, I wonder if this message is for you this morning. Jonah 2. And by the way, this is a prayer. Nearly the entire chapter 2 is, is a prayer. From inside the fish... Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Jonah is desperate, right? He's in the bottom of the ocean in a fish. It doesn't get any worse than this. And maybe you even know some atheists, people who don't believe in God. But when they get desperate enough, they will cry out. And of course, this is our same story, right? We oftentimes don't cry out because we're not desperate enough. We're still trying to do it ourselves. Jonah is desperate. He continues to pray. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me, and all the waves and the breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight. Jonah's starting, right? He is absolutely bottomed out and he's starting to own up that his sin and his disobedience has separated him from God. He says, you have banished me. And he, he feels that alienation from God. I've been banished from your sight. Yet I will look up again toward your holy temple. There's just a little glimmer of hope. God, this is awful. Yet, I, will, I look forward to seeing your holy temple. It's just this, this idea of hope. The engulfing waters threatened me, continues to pray. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. So Jonah, he's, he's wrestling between feeling completely helpless and hopeless. He says, I'm going down. I've got seaweed around my head, and things are really, really bad. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. It's a statement of hope. And he goes back and forth. When my life was ebbing away, you hear the hopelessness, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you in your holy temple. So he goes back and forth from hopeful to hopeless, hopeful to hopeless, hopeful to hopeless. And I don't know about you, but this sounds like my prayer life. God, things are really messed up. I don't understand. Help me out. God, you're so good. And I'm going to rest in you. Lord, I'm really struggling. I'm really struggling with things at work. But I believe you're good. Lord, I've got this health issue. It's driving me crazy. But God, you're good. And I go back and forth. Anybody with me on this? Or is this just my prayer life? Back and forth. I, I, sometimes I feel schizophrenic, right? Just back and forth. Ah, I'm so hopeful. God, you're so good. And it's just like, ah. Oh. But the reality of the situation, what I see around me looks so different 
than what I believe really should be going on in my life. And it's this question of, can God be trusted? And he's wrestling deeply in this prayer. Do I trust God? And of course, now at this point in time, he's so desperate, he has no choice. But this is our prayer. This is our wrestling. When the storms come, when the struggles come, when the hardships come, do you trust God? You know, we all go through life and we face struggles and hardships. We all wrestle with this question, is, is God worth trusting in? Where is God in the midst of all the suffering, the hardship, the pain and suffering in the world? It's, it's one of the oldest questions that philosophers have wrestled with, right? It's, it's called a theodicy. Where is God in the midst of suffering and evil in the world? Where is God? And this is what Jonah is wrestling with, and this is what we continue to wrestle with. And, and throughout time, philosophers have wrestled with this question. But over and over, it's, it's a very unsatisfying wrestling, isn't it? And the answers feel so elusive. Where is God when I'm struggling, when my loved ones are struggling? Where are you, God? And that's what Jonah is just wrestling to the ground. God, where are you? In Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament is remarkably consistent in responding to the theodicy. Where is God in the midst of struggle and hardship and evil? Where is God? Throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, God says, I'm right with you. I'm right with you. Whatever you're going through, I haven't left you. I'm with you. But the other thing that God reminds us time and time again is that we go through suffering and struggle and hardship because he wants to make us holy. God is more concerned about making you holy than he is making you happy. God is more concerned about your character than just you being happy and comfortable in life, right? And we want to be comfortable. We want to be happy. But God says, I have something more important than happiness and comfort. I want to make you holy, and I want to build your character. That's hard for us, right? This is difficult because we, we want it, and we want it now. We want to be happy, and we want to be comfortable. Several years ago, I ran across a, a fairy tale, and you know Jonah kind of, uh, you know, some wondering if it's a if it's a fairy tale, if it's a whale of a tale, or if it's a tale of a whale. And so I thought I'd share another fairy tale with you this morning that I heard several years ago that I think speaks into this. So once upon a time, there was a wicked witch who lived deep in the woods, and people would come along. And she was remarkable in terms of her cooking skills. I mean, she watched the cooking channel and she could lay out a meal for people. But even more importantly, she had this wonderfully comfortable bed. And so travelers would come along and, and they would meet this, this uh, wicked witch. And she would give them a nice meal and they would be like, oh, it's so good. I, can I take a nap? And so she would invite them to, to lay down on her bed. Now this was like tempur sleep number, right? And 
people would sleep and sleep and sleep. Now, in this bed actually had dark magic powers. And when the sun came up, if the person was still sleeping, they would turn into a stone. And she would collect them. And out in the back of her witch, witch backyard, she had all sorts of stone temp uh, of people uh, just standing out there, these statues of people who were sleeping. Now, this wicked witch, she had also gotten a little slave girl to come work for her. And this slave girl really couldn't do much. She couldn't really resist the powers of this wicked witch. But she felt lots of pity when people would come along and the stones continued to gather up, the statues of the people. So one day, a young man, a handsome young man, came through the woods. And he ate a meal. And then he said, I really could use a nap. And so the witch invited him to go take a nap. But before the witch could get him to go into the room, the little girl went into the, the, where the mattress was and filled it with sticks and stones and thistles. And all night long, this handsome young man tossed and turned, and he could not sleep. It was a horrible sleep. Have you ever had one of those nights where you can't sleep? Yeah. And he pulled out rocks, and he pulled out sticks, and he pulled out stones, and he pulled out thistles. But no matter what he did, he just could not sleep. And long before the sun came up, he got out of bed, went to the door, said to the little slave girl, he actually berated her, are you kidding me? That was a horrible night's sleep. Chewed her out, slammed the door, and walked off. And the little slave girl thought to herself, those were sticks and stones and thistles of love. That man has no idea how I saved him. That's a great fairy tale, right? Makes us think. But that's really the storms of life. God comes to us and says, you know, that hardship, that struggle, that pain, that hurt, those are sticks and stones of love. I've given those things to you because I've got a better plan for you. Oh, I know in the short term, uh, Tempur-Pedic feels good, right? But I've got your long term in mind and I care much more about your holiness than your happiness. I care much more about your character than you being content in the short term. And this is really the story of, of Jonah going through this hard time. It, it reminds me of Romans 8, what the Apostle Paul would write later. For I'm convinced that neither life nor death, nor things present, nor things that, are, are gonna, that we're wrestling with, they will not separate us from the love of Christ, right? And it's, sometimes you might think that Jeff and I talk before the, the, the worship service on Sunday morning. And as he was reading that this morning, I'm like, I was going to share that verse this morning too. And I thought, you know what? I think we need to hear it twice today. There's just so much good stuff in Romans 8, right? It's that great reminder, whatever struggles, whatever hardships, whatever challenges, God can use it all. And that's Jonah's prayer, is God, help me out. I am really struggling here. So Jonah finishes his prayer. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love uh, for them. But I, 
with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. I have vowed I will make good. I will say, salvation comes from the Lord. Now, one of the things I love about this prayer is that Jonah is praising God. God has not delivered him yet, keep in mind. He is still in the belly of the whale. And oftentimes we think in our minds, if God would just rescue me, then I will praise him. But that's not how God typically works, right? Typically, it's I will praise him and have faith and hope that he will rescue me. And so as we were singing this morning and singing great praise to God, I kept thinking, you know what, this is what we should be doing. Even in the midst of our hardships and our struggles, there's nothing more important for us to be doing as a congregation than to praising God. Not because everything is good. Not because everything is wonderful in our lives. But because we have faith and we have hope in our God who's going to rescue and take care of us. You know, the other thing I just want to say about this, um, this prayer is, is uh, Jonah prays, uh, salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. Now, some theologians would say this is kind of all of Scripture in one verse. This is the message of the entire Bible. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes only from the Lord. And oftentimes as we go through life, we think, well, I've got a part in my salvation, right? See, we're used to um, uh, co-pays, right? Several years ago, um, I backed into a tree with my car, and uh, I always have a, a high deductible uh, on my vehicles because I like low premiums, okay? Don't judge me. So I took my vehicle uh, to the auto body shop, and they said it was going to be about what uh, my deductible was going to be. And I started calculating, and I'm thinking, well, I'm going to just end up having to pay for this myself, right? And then my insurance is going to go up if I file a claim. So for nine years, I've been driving this vehicle with a good-sized dent in it, right? And every now and then, people ask me, hey, do you know you have a dent in your car? Yes, I know I have a dent in my car. Because I have a high deductible on my automobile insurance policy, right? It's just how I roll. I don't know. I just... I can't lower my deductible. And so there's part of when an accident happens, part of the time I pay and part of the time the insurance pays, right? Or if you go to the doctor, right? You, you, go, to, you, you go to the doctor and, and you've got, first got this astronomical uh, deductible, right? And then you've got a copay, right? And so we're, we're kind of used to this. This is just how our society works. We pay a little bit. The insurance company pays a little bit, right? And this is how we think it is with God. I'm going to pay a little bit, and God's going to pay a lot, right? Some of us think that we've got like an 80-20 plan with God, right? God's got 80% of it. I just got to take 20, right? Some of you are like, well, I'm probably like uh, 15, 85. Some of you are 90, 20. Some of you are 99, 1, right? God's got 99%. I just got that little sliver over here, that 1%, and I'm still putting that in. That's my part for my salvation. But what Jonah is proclaiming here is that salvation comes only from the Lord. His policy, 100% God, 0% you and me. 
And this becomes the stumbling block for so many people in following Jesus because we think it's too good to be true. How could God take all of my sin, 100% rescue me, I do nothing but just stand over here and just allow myself to be rescued? How does that happen? Too good to be true, right? But Jonah says that is how it works. Jesus went to the cross to die for you. He took it all. Not 80-20, not 90-10, not 99-1. zero. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. The story ends, and Jonah is spit up on the dry land. Now here's a spoiler alert. Jonah's still a messed up dude. We're only halfway through the story. And next week when we pick up again, we're going to see that Jonah continues to be a messed up dude. Chapter 3. While he repented, you know, and praised God in the belly of the whale, God's going to come back to Jonah and say, I've got more work to you for you to do. And Jonah is still a mess and he's still struggling. And what I want you to hear this morning is you don't have to have it all figured out, right? If you're struggling with fully trusting God, that 100-0%, so did Jonah. So did Peter, one of the greatest disciples ever, a guy who followed Jesus around over and over and over. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. And, and, and Peter continued to mess up. Some people um, identify with the Apostle Paul, right? Road to the Damascus uh, uh, incident, meets Jesus, has his life completely turned around. Everything's great with Paul, right? That's not me. My story is much more like Peter. Jesus, I believe you. I want to follow you. Oops, I just denied you. I'm following my own way. Jesus, I really want to follow you. You are the Christ, the Messiah. Oh boy, I just messed up again. I so identify with the Apostle Peter. I don't know about you. If you, are, if you identify more with the Apostle Paul, praise God. I just don't understand you. I go back and forth. You know what I love about the story of Jonah is that God is patient with this man who just continues to mess up time and time again. And, and so let me just close by saying this. God's not finished. God's not finished with you. And if you've come this morning and you feel like you've messed up, if things are not great, things are still broken, if you're really struggling to just place your trust in Christ this morning, he's patient. He's with you. He, he continues to walk. He offers Jonah unbelievable forgiveness and patience time and time again. And that's the message for you this morning as well. God's not finished with you. If you feel like you need a little bit more faith, he's holding on to you. And he wants to invite you to keep going along this journey. And I want to invite you to come back next week to hear Jonah part three. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God. That in the depths of our lives, we can continue to cry out to you. That you invite us, Lord, 
to rest, to be held by you, to be comforted by you, to be consoled by you, and to be forgiven by you. God, we thank you that um, you were patient with Jonah and that you're patient with us. And so, Lord, help us just to rest in your arms and to know, God, that you are good and faithful, that our stories are not finished, that you've got more work for us to do. And so, Lord, as we continue to wrestle with what it means to be disciples of Jesus, growing disciples of Jesus, help us, Lord, to be obedient as we follow you. Lord, in your mercy. Amen.